702. Masterclass. I'm so excited. Guys, you know how rare it is that a government person will come two weeks in a row in person. Ah, National Spokesperson for Correctional Services, Singapore Kongumalo. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I can't even say I offered you cake or anything to come. (laughs) You just decided you're going to come back. I truly appreciate your time. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Before we we even jump back into the conversation around parole, I want to pick your... I'm asking as a friend, not as a spokesperson. Nah. We've got currently in the news this alleged insurance claim killer, the scam killer, who, similar to the Rosemary Ngovu person... We've got this 21-year-old who's accused for murder and rape and he allegedly wore the clothes of the teacher that he killed after killing her. I'm curious, especially because you work in this space, where is the line between this person is mentally unwell and they need to be in prison? Because it's just, it's such a close line. They are... I, I, I just, I can't. I can't understand. I can't relate. <laughs> yes. <It's, laughs> it is the reason why you have a criminologist in our space mm. and all other specialists, your psychiatrists, your, because there are certain behaviors that uh, me and you, ordinary people, will find it hard to even make sense of. Even to accept what people have I done. I think that's my dream job. Yes. To so, be a criminologist or forensic psychologist. Yes. So, so you need those people then to assess uh, these people and uh, give us reports in terms of what is happening. Hence, at times you'll find people who are then subjected to psychiatric evaluation mm. uh, to check even whether they are fit to stand trial. Mm. And uh, I'm sure you know of the recent case that was actually uh, by, yes, by yes. the Western Cape High Court. Uh, you know, cases you know of that nature because um, as correctional services, from time to time, we find ourselves housing mentally ill people. Mm. And uh, it is not desirable for correctional services to have such people. They don't deserve to be there. And our officials are not even trained mm. to handle uh, people with such conditions. Hence, we are always working very closely with the Department of Health to say we have these people who are definitely defined to be suffering from some sort of mental illness mm. and they will come into our space to either assist them and also take them. But unfortunately, at times you find that uh, the issue of beds at uh, psychiatric hospitals is an issue. Mm. We'll then have to house them for that particular period and, or until such time that a bed is available and those people will be moved. But it is something that um, uh, it does require a great deal of attention and uh, I'm happy that the Department of Health is really taking it serious and they've made it very clear that correctional services, it is not in your space to mm. deal with such people and they, indeed they're assisting us. And I have to be honest, when you're speaking about capacity of correctional services, like not having being trained or equipped to deal with people who are dealing with certain psychiatric issues. Yes. I don't believe in the death penalty. I think our constitution is correct. And I think that um, there is always room for human error. You cannot take back taking someone's life. Cool. We're all in agreement where, where I personally stand. However, there are certain criminals that I'm like, there's no hope for this person to be rehabilitated. What 
does what is the view of correctional services of people that look at like there's no hope for you in the sense that even a criminologist will say this person derived and I'm not a psychologist but they might categorize them as psychopathic those categories schizophrenic yeah. not even I don't even want to say schizophrenic but that category of people who don't feel anything they don't feel empathy they yes, don't feel yeah. right they derive pleasure out of people's Causing pain, pain yes. right yeah. and there's no cure for that where where do they fit in the correctional services facility because then I understand when people say if this person does not have the capacity to make decisions that have a level of humanness to them, you're always going to be a danger also to the correctional services worker, also to your fellow inmates. So is it, should we even be breathing the same air with you? Do you understand what I'm asking? I hear you very well. <laughs> yes. I and I'm you. not in any way saying yes. life should be taken, but you understand the question yes. that I'm asking. It's the reason why we have different classifications of correctional uh, facilities in this country. Uh, if you recall the previous week, I think I said you have your low risk, medium, yes. high risk. But in South Africa, we even have uh, what we call a supermax facility. Yo. We have uh, two currently. Mm. Uh, the one is at uh, Bongwen in Coxstead. Mm. Uh, I'm sure you may have heard about it. And the other one is CMAX here at Hoshimampuru. Mm. The design is totally different from your normal correctional facility. Uh, that's where you find inmates, uh, uh, they stay in single cells. Uh, the type of um, intervention programs are totally different because they go much deeper into more than just the human behavior to say what else, you know, we're dealing with here. And um, even their routine is different mm. uh, where you find that a person will exercise all by himself. Uh, will be given that our exercise uh, will be allowed to see a specialist um, if they register that need or mm. if a need is identified by officials even when they take a shower you know they there are showers where they will utilize a man on his own mm. and um, it's, it's totally different because uh, it's you ought to look at it in a way that what is the risk here? If you put this person in a criminal cell, what is likely to happen in there? Mm. And others find that there may not be a threat like physically, but they may have other abilities in terms of influence that they are a great danger to other people. Hence, it's always important then to conduct that particular assessments. We have had issues with some of um, Bodies criticizing us for uh, utilizing those supermax, but mm. you do have those, you know, extraordinary cases where you cannot take that person to just an ordinary facility until mm. such time that your specialist will clear to say, no, I think now this person is ready to be taken to a high risk, mm. you, you know, because you are from a supermax. Mm. Uh, so we do have such cases and... Um, even in those uh, facilities, there's a time frame, but others you find that will be removed, but in no time they're taken back there because the change has been minimal to none. Mm. Therefore, the risk is still much higher. You take this person back there. And the challenge is certain um, profiles are exceptionally intelligent that they work the system. And we've, we've seen it in multiple movies. I, I recall a man who was on um, death row in the U.S. He was a serial killer. And they were interviewing him 
when they were asking him, you know, you're going to be up for death row soon. And he says, yes, it's the right decision because I want to do it again. He was straight up saying, I will do it again. Yeah. Like, I will do it <laughs> again. And I was just, that, that's the part that scares me when you think about the fact that there are some people who will walk around and there is no hope for rehabilitating them. We're not that advanced in interventions that you can change a person. But I digress. We're yes. going back now to the conversation <laughs> of parole. And where we left it was that we were talking about a person getting an opportunity to go before the board. And now let's create a hypothetical scenario where said person has had their opportunity, they've seen their file, and the board then says, no, um, parole has been denied, so you're going to stay in. Let's use the 20 years example. They've served half their time. They're now eligible. And they say, no, is there an opportunity for that person to say, I'd like to appeal or I'd like it to go under review? Or is it, it's a yes or a no, and that's it. Nobody, nobody can challenge it. You recall what, is, what we said last week, but let me just repeat it for the yes. sake of those who could be listening for the first time. There is nothing as parole denied mm. in South Africa. What you get is what we call a feather profile. Mm. A feather profile is a case where the parole board will say, having assessed you, having gone through your profile, you are not a candidate to be placed out mm. because there are particular interventions that ought to be made mm. or there are areas that require attention. Um, they will even identify those areas and recommend the programs that must be initiated mm. and also put a time frame. So you do not go then come back empty handed. Mm. They'll also put a time frame to say, go undertake these programs. Mm. And in either six months or 12 months or 24 months, you will come back mm. to us. Then we'll check whether now there's been any change and to see whether you do meet the criteria to be placed out on parole. Mm. So then an issue would be handled in that particular way. But there is, there is, not, there is no case as one being told that, sorry, uh, you are not going home and full stop. It so it's more of a not now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a matter of saying, uh, yes, you've, you, 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 you've, you've tried, but there's these areas. You know, mm. it's like a learner not progressing to the next grade. Ooh. Saying that, uh, yes. unfortunately, there are these modules mm. that you didn't do well. So you ought to go back, do them. Tisha, we call it him lens. Yes. Uh, you go back, do them. And then after that, then you will come back. Okay. So at least then your, your program is, 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 is in a way more defined. So mm. you know exactly where to focus on. Mm. And then um, the, after, uh, at that particular time, your profile will be taken back uh, to the parole board. They will then decide. And I, I, like, I like that approach because it gives the person something to walk, work towards. Yes. It's not like it's just a no. Now you don't know how, why. You yes. ask, the information is in front of you. You yeah. know what you need to work towards. So what, now let's say... You are unhappy um, and everything. Yeah, I think that was your question. Yeah, so let's yes. say you are unhappy. What opportunities are available to the person who feels like, no, guys, actually, I was here last year. You told me to work on X, Y, and Z. I've done the work. Please, can you look at it again? Or can I have a, are you able to ask for another psychologist to, to review? You do have cases where, you know, someone say, I'm, I'm, 
I'm very happy. I'm not happy with the mm. outcome, and understandable so. I mean, uh, you've served the time. You are of the view that uh, you've done everything, assessments mm. conducted, and you feel like you are ready to reintegrate back into society. And you're told, well, hang on. There are these areas that require attention. Go back. And the person will be unhappy. We've seen mm. inmates even taking us to court. Uh, you really? Know, yes, yeah, taking us to court for such. And uh, metal argued there. And, and then in most cases, those, met, those matters are brought back to us. And if... Indeed, there's a case, you know, you know, uh, to be made. It, it will be dealt with. Mm. But you also have uh, situations where, let's say, a parole board will place someone out to say you are ready to be placed out, mm. and you then you get either an interested party or even our own national commissioner or the minister. Mm. Remember, the parole board are independent. Yes. But to find that having looked at what is being raised as a protest mm. or as an issue to say, but how is this person being blessed out because there are these gaps or there are these issues that those people feel that perhaps they were not closed. Mm. I will want to make an example um, uh, about one uh, high-profile person. You will remember Bob Hewitt. Mm. He, he was placed uh, on parole by, mm. uh, by the board. Mm. But the, um, the minister um, took that placement for a review because the victims felt that uh, the victim-offender dialogue was not uh, conducted the proper way. Mm. And that placement, you know, was then reversed in a sense that now a, a, what a structure called a correctional supervision and parole review board needed to be instituted. Mm. It's like... It's like someone has raised a protest. Now you need another structure to look into it. Hence, another independent. Yes, now. Yes. Hence, uh, the act provides for such to mm. say, should there be a, a matter raised that indeed does require that the, 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 the placement be looked into? You have this parole review board. Mm. I think in short, let's just call it a parole review board. A parole review board, it's not a structure that is always standing, you know, waiting for such matters. Mm. But we have... I think now we're taking the discussion to another level. Mm. We have a structure called the, um, the National Council for Correctional Services. Mm. It is there as an advisory structure to the minister in terms of policies and law or, or amendments to the act. Uh, it is a group of individuals drawn from various disciplines and ordinary members of the community. Mm. They sit there. They do not just look at policies, procedures and laws. But they are the structure that will receive profiles of inmates that are sentenced to life mm. when they are being considered for parole placement. Mm. They are just different. It's an area that we didn't touch the mm. last time. They are just different. It doesn't end with the, with, with the Correctional Supervision Parole Board. Because you were sentenced to life, mm. the risk is much higher. Yeah. Therefore... The system is designed to be so pedantic in a way that it has to be rigorous mm. so that indeed the person that now is being placed out, you know, it has been dealt with in a way that I think it has satisfied these all these structures. So he, a lifer's profile will go through the parole board mm. and then move to the National Council for Correctional Services, mm. eventually to the minister. 
to make a decision. Oh, yes. So the National Council for Correctional Services, in short, we call it NCCS, mm -hmm. will then make a recommendation to the minister. Mm -hmm. But then, why am I mentioning this National Council of Correctional Services? It is also a structure where this parole review board will be thrown from. Mm -hmm. In this National Council of Correctional Services, you also have sitting judges there. You will have your psychologists, psych psychiatrists, mm. and, and, all, and, and, and all these specialists. So for the parole review board, you will have a sitting judge as the chairperson. You will also have someone representing the director of the public prosecution. Mm. You will also have a member of the department and, uh, and, and, and then uh, someone from the specialized field and then two representatives again from the public. Mm. So they, will, they, they are only constituted to look at such cases where a dispute you know, has been raised to say there is this dispute, then they have to adjudicate to say, indeed, this person is ready or not yet, this person must attend to other programs. So one of the, obviously, then the more, more recent cases we are aware of, there's the Oscar Pistorius one. Yes. If, um, you know, one of these NGOs decide they're not satisfied, it's too soon, considering the loss, are they in a position to give a loud enough outcry that the minister says, guys, please, can we revisit this case? Especially because it is high profile in the circumstances of that particular case or, or being followed by the, the, the entire world is watching. Is there a merit in that? And mm. the answer would be no. Mm. Why am I saying that? Because the first test is, have you served the minimum required time? Mm. And the answer to that would be say yes. Mm. And then the next step is to say, has this person been rehabilitated? Then you need that uh, profile where there is that, co um, the, where, where, where is that co uh, co um, sentence plan and then the, the reports from your specialist. Mm. And then the participation by interested parties throughout this inmate's journey and, you know, and what uh, other people also have provided. And if all those indicate to say everything was done you know, as per the book, it will then be a very difficult case for one to say it must be taken, for, you know, under review because procedurally everything was followed. Mm. There must be something of great uh, of, of merit to say, indeed, there is a gap here. Hence, I've made an example of uh, that uh, um, of that pro, uh, of, of of that case um, um, involving uh, Mr. Bob Hewitt to say there was a. There was an area there which was the victim of that dialogue, which is a critical mm. aspect. And when it was raised, indeed, it was found to say, but oh, there's a gap here. Mm. Then there was merit to say, this one has to go before the parole review board. All right. What I'm going to do is, is, is um, I see all of your questions coming through on the WhatsApp line. I'm going to ask one more question before we go to the news, and then I'm going to hand it over to all of the listeners and the many, many questions that they have. I will prioritize parole questions, but I'll also um, cover the questions relating to correctional services, our prison systems, and all of the questions coming through. So now, this person is out on bail. Out Let's, on parole. Parole. Yes. Gosh, sorry, my apologies. <laughs> You're in fatigue. Out yes. on parole, right? Yes. They're out on parole, and there are conditions that are set and yes. in that period that they're being prepared to go out, they know what the conditions are. Does it become public knowledge? Can I go and just Google somewhere? What is this person's parole conditions so that I can tell on them if I see them doing something like, are there certain things that become public or maybe the victim's family becomes aware? How does that get managed? Because 
um, if they only have to report somewhere once a day or once a week, in between they could be doing whatever they are doing? I indicated that there has to be a caregiver mm. uh, uh, when a parolee or someone is to be placed out. Mm. You have to come and, and sign to the fact that I shall be looking after this person. Mm. And or it's usually family, but as you said, family doesn't always want to accept yes, the person yeah. back. So, but someone has to take accountability to say, no, I'm the one who's willing to receive this person. Mm. Why is that important? Any person being released from a correctional facility is vulnerable. So you ought to have a caregiver. Wait, vulnerable in the sense that they're vulnerable to, to, to re-offending or vulnerable to the public's too, outcry? Too many things. The first thing, you're going out there, one, you don't even know how the world you know, will react. Mm. Your own family, your own community. Mm. You do not know how they'll react. Um, let's say now we're in December, there's a gathering. You're going there thinking, you know, it's a joyful season. Mm. And people, oh, hang on, sorry. We cannot associate ourselves with people who are from prison. Mm. So what do you do? You go isolate at home? It's a difficult one. So you ought to have a caregiver. Hence, even now we are busy with an educational campaign where we are saying traditional leaders, counselors, all these structures they to find in localities ought to play an active role when it comes to parole placements mm. because we are reaching out to them to say when we send this person back home those structures ought to know as well what are the parole conditions mm. and how best can they assist this person to reintegrate because in most cases it's a difficulty for a person to reintegrate back into that community your family could be more than willing to house you mm. but then what if the neighbor is saying whoa hang on now make it a point that you know you close all the windows you don't mm. allow because this person is back so it is all now that, you know, it's, it's trying to build up a mechanism to say, how best can we assist this person to start living a normal life and see himself just as a member of the community mm. without being ostracized to say, because we are from a correctional facility, you are not the same as us. I, so I would a even, person is vulnerable to that extent. Yes, I would yes. even add the vulnerability that maybe we don't think of, which was I've interviewed, you know, um, individuals that serve time in prison and they come out. And technology is advanced. The, the culture shock was too overwhelming for them. Going into a mall, and much as we think, oh, all prisoners have access to phones, they know what's happening. Not all of them know. You know, so I think even that vulnerability of what it does to a person, the realization that the world moved on without them. You, <clears throat> the car that someone in your village long time ago was driving, was playing what, cassettes? Yes. Now... Uh, it's Bluetooth. no longer even uh, use what the CDs now yes. is Bluetooth and stuff. So I'm just highlighting one element mm. that how far technology has advanced. So you have someone who was incarcerated, let's say, um, late 90s. Mm. So many things have changed. Yes, in our Christian facilities, they do have TVs, but it will not give you everything. Mm. Um, how do you operate a microwave? Me and you... We take it for granted, but for someone who has never operated one in many years, never even seen that before going into prison, you know, will you know, be wondering what is this. Mm. So, hence, even when we do the pre-release programs, we take in through such things to say, you may see other things for the first time. Do not be afraid to ask, what is this? Mm. How do you operate it? Mm. 
because we understand, you know, the difficulty. So, uh, and the vulnerability goes even further than that. When a person is ostracized, that person is likely to go back into crime. It's easy to give up because we'll say, but why am I here when no one is willing to give me a second chance? And no one wants me. And, then, and yet mm. people get amazed the moment they learn about the skills that these people have acquired. Mm. Okay, we need to go to the news when we come back. We have all of your questions. It's just after 2 p.m. 702 Masterclass. Our Masterclass for today's part two on parole. We're joined by National Spokesperson for Correctional Services, Singaba Kongumalo, 011 the WhatsApp line 0727021702. Now, what inspired this conversation was the Oscar Pistorius case. Are you going to help me get that interview with him or what? Unfortunately, not until Mr. Pistorius is done with his sentence. Why? Being on parole does not mean that your sentence expired. We still have to serve it in full. And the uh, parole conditions, uh, uh, part of those which are standard for all parolees, mm. you are not required to conduct media interviews or be involved in some media production. Required work. or allowed? You're not allowed. You are not allowed. Okay. Yes. Uh, we receive quite a lot of requests. Uh, mm. Even want to be specific, even on Mr. Oscar Pistorius, there's mm. already a number of them, especially from international media. Mm. And we've been very firm stating that he's not allowed to conduct media interviews. Why do we have a condition like that? You have someone who has committed an offense, offended the community, there are victims there. Mm. So our duty is to protect the victim as well. South Africa opted for a victim-centered um, uh, justice system. Um, we are protecting the victims from what we call secondary victimization, mm. where a person may say things which may offend the victim mm. or may cause harm to the victims or other people close to that particular victim. So those conditions are very firm, saying that you cannot conduct media interviews but as soon as his parole is done i mean even now he could be negotiating a book deal netflix could be there with a big paycheck saying we will release the day after parole is done unfortunately we can only exercise our responsibility for as long as the person is still within our care Mm. once that sentence has expired that's the end of the relationship between mm. correctional services and the inmate or the parolee. Thereafter, that person, you know, may do whatever, is no longer um, expected to abide by our conditions. Okay, so I'm going to use that as the opportunity to jump in some into some of the questions that also kind of relate to what we're talking about. 0727021702 and 702 is the WhatsApp line. I'm jumping between today's questions and some that we did not get to last week. This one is from Rose, who says, Please ask Mr. Ngumalo, if those who reoffend whilst on parole become eligible again for parole based on the sentencing for the second offense, and if so, why? Okay. How matters are dealt with? Someone will be placed on parole. Unfortunately, that person uh, commits an offense. Mm. Or let's just say this person is unable to comply Mm. with the parole conditions. It could be something as not being home at a a particular hour or not signing as expected. Mm. You know, our 
officials will be visiting you or you'll be expected to come to our office. You find that the person is a no-show. We define those people as absconders. Mm. So if you have, you have absconded, we'll def, we then have to look for you and take you back. You must sit again before then the parole board who must now look at um, the, the I don't know, a collision of fence to mm. say, um, what is it that you've committed now? Is it a matter of you not complying? And then where, uh, is it something which is serious? If yes, and then does it warrant that you be taken back? Meaning that you must now continue serving your sentence mm. in a correctional facility or you could be reprimanded by just be given a warning to say, mm. if you do this again, it, it, it depends on, on what is it that, you know, uh, you may have committed on the, or the transgression. If I may use, if I may use that. So th- those specific ones, though, are to do with breaking your parole, your parole conditions. conditions. But you okay. get someone who is now committed an offence yes. and is taken through the criminal justice once again, mm. meaning attending to a court case. If you are found to have committed an offence or a suspect and you've been charged, we have to collect you immediately. Mm. Even if you are you are at the police cells, we must go fetch you. From those police cells and take you back. Oh, really? As in, you say this person's technically in our care. This is our client. Yes. This person belongs to us, and yes, he has now committed an offence. We are taking this person back. So whenever you need this person to attend to a court case, you will get him or her from us. Mm. That is not a problem. And in that case, we even take this person to court because he's our client. So that even could be as small an offence as you drinking and driving it doesn't have to be as a serious offense as what was before for for as long as they are for back. as long as you are charged yes that you are now charged for another offense we have to collect you definitely it means you were never ready to serve your sentence out in the community so to answer this person's question let's assume the person is reoffending the same crime let's use murder as an example they're on parole and then they re, they re commit mur- they commit murder they, they again commit, yes now you've taken them back in and they have to now stand trial for this new case does the concept of parole still become available to them in their second their new offense okay what will happen in there we are taking this person back to continue serving that particular sentence mm. uh, the initial one and it will still be attending to a an ongoing court case on this mm. new charge until such time that charge is concluded mm. and a sentence meted out and it will therefore mean that this person is like re-enrolling this person because the type of an assessment that must be conducted is now different because mm. now it has to go back now to check this person attended these programs these were type of assessments conducted still when this person was placed out he went back to what he conducted, you know, the last time. What is it with this person? Mm. Perhaps that we may have missed, or perhaps this person is worse than what he was when he was, you know, admitted the first time. Yeah, that's where you again require the services of those specialists, your criminologists, your psychologists. Say mm. we now ought to conduct another assessment so that we understand the person before us. Who is this person? Mm. And that person will have to serve that particular sentence. Unfortunately, we do have such cases. And uh, it does um, embarrass us as a department because you look at not just the investment, but 
the trust that people will have, you know, in the system to say, but this person was with you, is out. And then it then goes back to initial question when, the, when, when we started to say there are certain things that I think just me and you will find them hard, you know, to understand. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, hence then we need, you know, the specialists in that area to assist so that we better understand and better package the programs that will assist them. Mm. All right. Ayanda asks, Rebhile, can you please ask how long it takes or the process to expunge a criminal record after 10 years of parole? I've applied. I've been waiting one year, seven months now. I'm stuck. And maybe this is just an opportunity to help us understand if there is such a thing as expungement of criminal record (laughs) at all, because I think we might have it wrong. Uh, you are able to expunge a criminal record. Uh, what is required is that... After Please being, explain what that means, expunging. Does it mean it's wiped <laughs> off the system? Your file is burnt? <laughs> okay. We, we, we always say, if you've been to a correctional facility, if you've been, if you've been convicted, mm. wherever you go, if let's say it's career-wise or you're asked certain questions, were you ever convicted? Mm. Even if it is after 20 years or 12 years, why am I saying 12 years or 20 years? You can only apply for the expungement of the criminal record after 10 years being out, meaning if your sentence expired in 2010, Mm. then only in 2020 you can then apply for expungement. So you you must be done with your parole because parole, parole is yes, still serving still sentence, sentence yes. just outside. I so get you. once your sentence has expired, we, yes. we say it is a, a sentence expiry date. It is only then you must start counting to say after mm. ten years from, from that date you can apply. But there are quite very strong views that uh, the cluster is looking into mm. the JCPS. People have been uh, crying to say ten years is a bit of a longer period for petty offences. But please help me understand the question again. Does expungement mean that if I'm trying to hire somebody and I search on the system, do a background check, nothing will come up? Is it, that what expungement means? It, 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 the system will pick up that that sentence has been expunged. Okay, so you'll person, still know that they yeah, did serve time, yes. but it's expunged. It's a, yeah, meaning this person has been a law-abiding citizen ever since has mm. not committed any other offense. Mm. And yeah, so hence, we always say to uh, ex-inmates, never hide that part because once a prospective employer discovers by himself that, oh, oh, you were once a convicted person, then the issues of integrity will start creeping in mm. to say mm. you're not telling us a full record about yourself. So to answer Ayanda's question... To say, yes, you can expand your criminal record, but please do disclose. But they are saying after 10 years of parole. So because we're not clear if they mean I've been 10 years on parole, I'm waiting a year and a half, you've answered the question to say... answered. Yes. Yes, Expiration? After the sentence expiry date, then count, you know, for those 10 years. But I think we must highlight that there is a discussion in terms of what type of offenses, mm. you know, must really wait for that 10 years? Because at times it's a bit harsh for petty offenses to wait for 10 years. Okay, the hard questions are coming in. Heather was saying, I don't believe a word this correctional services rep is saying. Prisoners are left to their own devices most of the time. And another one that is um, sort of in the same vein 
says it feels like the law is so caring to criminals i have a serious problem with criminals convicted of femicide rape and other gender-based violence crimes having a right to parole how and when are they punished for what they've done why is the focus on rehabilitation and i mean we, we did touch on this in yes. part one but give us the the the, the one word sentence of the role of correctional services being about rehabilitation and not punishment. You know, we have so many positive cases of people that unfortunately committed offenses, mm. but after rehabilitation have gone out there and have done wonders. There is one parole that will not mention by name in Hamasimula uh, in Limpopo. I'm mentioning him because I visited his project not so long ago. He decided that, you know, sitting at home is not going to help me. And then he looked down there and there were a number of bushes. He de-pushed it and started, you know, planting there. Mm. Today he's supplying uh, supermarkets in that area mm. of his product and employing other people there. And he's expanding, you know, his uh, business value chain. Uh, and if we're not giving people a second chance, we'll not have cases of this nature mm. and we are saying rehabilitation is not only to benefit the inmate it is designed to benefit even those within the same locality as this person who has been through our system because if you are able let's say to start a piggery after your term mm. you will not run that piggery all by yourself you will have to employ other people to assist you running that piggery mm. whom are you going to supply you know so there's quite more. Hence, we're always saying the skills that we give to uh, inmates, people must not just localize them just to be prison, you know, programs. They must say to themselves, how best can we assist this person so that you can also benefit from him? A question from Wamza in Johannesburg South. Please ask your guest. Is it true that the cells at Ebongweni Correctional Services Kokstad are underground and that the inmates can't see the sun? It's... It's, it's a very interesting design. When I went there for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was in a way overwhelming. Mm. You look at the facility from the outside, it looks just normal. Mm. But uh, the landscape there is, is a bit different. Mm. And when you go inside, you continuously walk, you know, like down slope. Yes. To a point where you start seeing windows way a bit far, mm. right at the top. Then in your head, you will then think, I'm now underground, yeah. whereas you are not. Oh, okay. So it's how the facility is designed mm. because uh, what was also in the mind of those designers was to say, you ought to limit inmates interacting as well mm. so that that influence, you know, you know, could be prevented. So you will have cubicles and other things. I wouldn't want to give too much detail because I may breach our security standards. Mm. So, but it's designed in a way that um, uh, yes, there is life, but um, uh, inmates are unable to freely engage mm. because, you know, you want to prevent other things from happening. But the cells, I must say, they're not underground. <laughs> okay. Um, Lungile says, this is a comment, people like Moses Sitole and Butibur deserve a different kind of imprisonment. This is on X. Benny says, what is the state doing in terms of legislation or law to protect ex-inmates from discrimination in commercial industries? Where is the incentive for ex-inmates and parolees to leave crime for good? And I mean, that's a tricky question because that's a societal, a human 
thing. You can't, we can't just say commercial industries. They, the people are, dis, the decision makers are people. It's, it's the same question that we get even looking at the victims of crime. People are often asking us, what about the victims? Mm. And uh, it's difficult to say it is not our responsibility as correctional services because there's only one government. Mm. So it's, it's how do we balance that? We, we've, what we've even done now, we have programs, though not funded, mm. where we're utilizing offender labor to benefit the victims of crime. Mm. We're intentionally driving them to say uh, these programs at least must give something back to those victims. Mm. Some of the houses that we've built, you know, the projects that we've started, because we also drive inmates to understand that back there they've harmed society, so they have to give back. A question from Artie Maker Lebo, please can your guest explain the difference between presidential parole and the normal parole? And also, how do some released inmates? recommit the same crime after being assessed and found it fit to recommit. Well, we, we've and covered that one. Yes. But yes, presidential parole versus normal parole. Um, presidential one is when... You're the president. You, you know, the, <laughs> it's powers given to the president by, you know, by law. Oh. To say... Uh, I thought it's like if you were a president no. and now <laughs> you're, you were convicted, now you're on parole. No, it, it, it is also in our act where the, a president, you know, uh, is may pardon a person. Oh yeah, but in South Africa, I'm. I don't recall it being used. Mm. Uh, I may be wrong, but I don't recall. Uh, usually, it's the normal parole processes or the uh, the special remission of sentences. This one that has been used uh, more often because it also requires the president to to authorize it. Mm. Special remission, in a way, is like reducing sentences. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, to do in Dobsonville, uh, what do they do with illegal immigrants? serving sentences here after serving their time do they just get deported back to their countries we get home affairs to come and take them uh, to their uh, countries of origin mm. yes and that's assuming you know because what if there's no documents to verify um, th- we, we are able to establish that this person is from this country and there's also lies in with the, the with the relevant embassies to say we have your your people here that we ought to take back. Mm. So then uh, Home Affairs will then lie directly with those uh, embassies. But then it is the responsibility of Home Affairs to take them back. Um, I'm not sure if this falls in your jurisdiction, but what happens if there is a country that's got a criminal on the loose and we don't have a relationship with that country? What happens that there's a criminal running around in South Africa who com- who ran away from somewhere else, but we don't have... I can't remember the terminology, but that one way they ask our police to arrest them. To arrest and yes. then they come and fetch them. Yes, so what happens us. if we don't have a relationship with a certain country and the criminals running around here? Um, then the United Nations prescripts come into force. Okay. Yes, because there are countries where you cannot, um, uh, what you call, uh, it's not even prison exchange. You, you cannot take those, uh, those people back there. For instance, in South Africa, we don't have a death penalty. So we cannot take a person back to a country of origin when it's clear that this person is a candidate of a death penalty. What? Uh, United Nations makes it very clear we're not allowed to do that. Oh, so so because so so it would to, seem like we are supporting we, yes. the death penalty. So we will have to house uh, that person here. It could be a matter that will be debated in court until once a court has decided we'll have to abide by that court order. But unfortunately, you know, yeah. So what status do they have? If you ran away, you're caught here, 
and they say that person is up for death row. You, 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 usually, the matter gets dealt with in a court of law. To so say, are they a refugee? Uh, or to they... say we need this person back uh, because of the crimes that this person committed yes. here. And then the court will then decide whether that person must be then transported back to that country. So in most cases, that country will come and fetch its citizen from us. But uh, through uh, other um, uh, policing structures, we'll have to keep that person until they come and fetch him. There's never enough time with you. You might have to just come here for a weekly feature. So many questions. I'm so sorry we could not get all of your questions uh, answered. This conversation is podcast. Thank you so, so much again for your time. It's our little contribution, but whenever we're called, we're willing to avail ourselves. Thank you.